Rewind. Your Week in Review is sponsored by the Wisconsin Realtors Association. Bringing Wisconsin communities to life with great homes, businesses, and neighborhoods. The Wisconsin Realtors Association, the voice of real estate. This program is brought to you from Wisconsin Eyes Margaret Farrow Studio. This week on Rewind, your week in review. New voting maps drawn by Governor Evers have been adopted by the GOP-controlled legislature. Coming up, what this could mean for future elections. Plus, will the governor sign a $2.1 billion tax package? And the U.S. Senate race is taking shape. We have what you need to know. All that and more on Rewind, your week in review for February 16th. Hi, I'm Emily Fannin. Hi, I'm Jesse O'Poyan. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for filling in this week as JR is on vacation, and we have a lot to digest in so this <laughs> week in politics. So we have a little female panel to break it all down. So thanks again for joining us. So First, we're going to start with now uh, what lies in the governor's hands is new voting maps uh, here in Wisconsin after the GOP-controlled legislature on Tuesday passed them. So this could essentially end a very costly legal battle that we've talked about quite a bit on this show uh, in re about redistricting. Uh, so they changed, they voted on the map with no changes. And this comes after, this is kind of a, it was a do-over for Republicans mm -hmm. after they made some slight changes to Evers' map. He vetoed them. But, you know, Evers last week told reporters, hey, if they're not going to make any changes, let's bypass the courts. Let's get this done. Now, justices on the state Supreme Court asked the legislature to act first. So we could be nearing a possibly end to this very big political battle here in Wisconsin. Now, during debate on the bill, what I think was surprising is that almost all Republicans voted for these maps. Meanwhile, Democrats didn't. Now, Republicans, for some of them, expressed that it was a tough vote. They felt like they were kind of cornered in a way that even Senator Dewey Strobel said specifically that I don't really trust the state Supreme Court to pick a new map, so this is kind of our last, bat, last best option. Meanwhile, Democrats were questioning a provision in the bill, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but let's first hear from both sides on this issue. I'm going to vote for these maps because the process that's underway in the Supreme Court certainly doesn't appear that it's going to take our arguments seriously or even consider them. So we kind of have a gun to our head, frankly, is really how it's looking right now. You can claim all you want that this is the governor's map, but it's the governor's map with some extra language added. And so now we're left with uncertainty about the special election in the fourth, uncertainty about the Voss recall uncertainty about any future special elections that might come up. So that was the big controversy, is that Democrats didn't trust Republicans. Yep. They thought this was kind of another trick up their sleeve, is what they said, because of the provision would enact the maps after the November election. There was also this provision wouldn't apply to recall elections, and we know Assembly Speaker Robin Voss is potentially facing a recall petition right now, but mm -hmm. remains to be seen if they get enough signatures for that. Um, what I did find interesting about this, Jesse, is that uh, the nonpartisan uh, Legislative Reference Bureau did put out a memo too saying that these provisions are pretty normal when mm -hmm. it comes to the redistricting process. Yeah, and it, they weren't even requested by Republicans in the drafting. It, it appears, um, you know, the yeah, the Wisconsin State Journal had a report on this that it was coming from LRB. It wasn't a special request from anyone. So the argument of oh, you know, Robin Voss is trying to um, game the system for himself that kind of kind of fell flat after that. But um, I think the bigger overarching theme was that, like you said, Democrats just didn't trust 
that there wasn't some trick coming, that it wasn't going to be, you know, Lucy and the, the football. And uh, so far, we haven't seen anything. <laughs> I think, like you said, you know, it was the, the least worst option for Republicans. And I think there was also a lot of rumors circulating in Democratic circles that this could possibly uh, tee up a strategy for Republicans to eventually go uh, make another case uh, in a federal lawsuit, right? Yeah, we're hearing that a lot. I think even more from Democrats out in D.C. I don't think we've heard that as much from um, Dems here in Wisconsin. Um, you know, Robin Voss has been asked about this. He said he doesn't see a need to do that. Um, he said he you know, really wants this. You know, the the power is vested in the legislature firsthand. It's supposed to be done by the legislature and the governor. Court's supposed to be the last option. So um, it didn't sound like there were any plans to, it, you know, that they were going to share at least on, on any sort of appeal to federal courts. Um, and also just to keep in mind, you know, federal courts have traditionally just been really reluctant to weigh in on these issues. And um, anything that would come from the state Supreme Court, I mean, this is a, the, the challenge was based on the state constitution, not the federal constitution. So. Um, the state Supreme Court is really kind of supposed to be the last stop on that. Right. And, you know, looking at what this could possibly mean for voters is that there's a lot of potential matchups where a lot of incumbents have to run against one another. But this also could, you know, give an opportunity to Democrats to have a little bit more skin in the game. And, you know, what I mean by that is that there's going to be more opportunities for Democrats to reclaim some territory that's been largely uh, controlled by Republicans. And, Jesse, you know, when it comes to, like, issues, uh, what does that mean for people if Democrats uh, get a little bit more say in things at the Capitol? By no means would these maps give Democrats, you know, control of both chambers, but it does give them opportunity to possibly change some of the conversations at the Capitol. Yeah, and I think we've kind of even started to see that shift happening without the new maps because everyone knows that they're likely coming. And so you um, assume we'll see maybe more moderating, more bipartisan um, activity. We've, we've seen quite a bit of it this session. I would say more more high-profile bipartisan activity. Obviously, there's always a lot of bipartisan bills, but um, more high-profile issues getting that centrist approach, maybe. Right. And putting it to perspective about those incumbents, um, we're going to look at a matchups uh, that uh, Politics put together. Right here is the Senate breakdown of Governor Evers' map proposal. As you can see, there's uh, six pairs. And there's some, even there, with the Green Bear area, you have three Republicans competing against each other for one district. Now, in this uh, matchup right now, the only one that Politics reported on that has for sure vowed to run um, is Senator Julie Brand, Julie, Julian Bradley, excuse me, he has said he is going to move in hopes to compete with that district that is uh, right now would go up against uh, Senator Wangard. Um, so this kind of just shows people that even some Democrats there, you got Senator Melissa Agard and Senator Calder Roy is going against each other. Now Agard, of course, is going to be seeking for Dane County uh, executive of the seat there. Um, but this is kind of what people can look forward uh, when looking at these pairs. Now let's look at the assembly breakdown too, Jesse. 15 pairs here. Not going to read quite off all <laughs> these names, but you can tell there's a definitely a matchup between a Republican and a Democrat in the top there with uh, Representative uh, Robin Vining and uh, Tom Lisnick. Uh And Jesse, have you heard uh, anyone really on here that has also vowed to move. I do remember it wasn't too long ago we had that press conference with a lot of assembly Republicans saying, you know, regardless of what maps we have, uh, we're going to move. But, you know, are we going to actually see that is the big question here. Yeah, I mean, there were there were some promises made. Uh, this was um, back when the assembly was still trying to pass um, Evers maps with some slight changes, basically to address these six or seven, I think, uh, Republicans who are going to be paired up against uh, another incumbent. Um, and in that press conference, they said, look, we're trying to draw our districts so we can stay in them right now. But if 
that doesn't happen, we will, I mean, pretty much everyone who was going to be paired up said, yeah, we're going to move, and I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. But, um, you know, John Maka was one who said he would move, and uh, we know that he's not going to be running for Congress and Mike Gallagher's open seat, so he would be one that I'd be watching for sure. And so now all the focus on is whether it's still a chance out there if you know governor is going to sign this or veto this bill um he has until tuesday to act um you know we're both making calls to see maybe where this is going um but uh we'll see what happens i guess in the coming days because he has until tuesday is the deadline yeah all right let's what was his answer why not oh yeah yeah <laughs> why not so it would be if he didn't sign it he would be technically yeah. going against his word um uh, but they are the maps that he proposed. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see, see what happens in the next few days. Could even be a surprise later today. Who knows? All right, we let's move. <laughs> right. We love those as reporters. Let's move on to the next uh, topic is going to be we're recapping uh, a lot of action that happened at the state capitol this week. And we're going to first highlight the Republican tax package that was approved by the assembly. It would total about $2.1 billion. And here are just some of the highlights. The big portion of the bill would reduce the second lowest tax bracket rate from 5.3% to 4.4%, which would add more than 1 million taxpayers earning between $19,000 and $115,000 per year. Another portion of the bill would exempt up to $75,000 on retirement income for single filers, and that's $150,000 for joint filers. Another bill would issue tax or increase tax credits for married couples that would go from $480 to $870. And child tax credits would also be expanded there, as you see, uh, from $10,000 for one child and $20,000 for two or more kids. Now, GOP lawmakers say they carefully crafted these bills in hopes of gaining support from the governor. Now, both sides have also been really largely unable to find an agreement on taxes, so that's the big question ahead. But when we, you know, tossing to uh, Republicans, Democrats on this issue, that was a real, real selling point for Republicans and saying, hey, governor has called for let's find some compromise on this. Here it is, governor. Why don't you act on it? Meanwhile, the Democrats were a little concerned with new projections in the state surplus that maybe we need to be a little bit reserved on how we spend the remaining surplus. Let's just take a listen from both sides on this issue. Yes, we can and we should cut taxes. But when we're looking at the whole plan together that changes a surplus to a deficit in three short years, just because we can doesn't mean that we should. We must balance the state's surplus with our other priorities because there are more reasons for people to move to Wisconsin than a tax rate. The facts are this. During the, the, the finance hearing, the uh, Legislative Fiscal Bureau Director, Bob Lang, was asked a question by the co-chair as to the source or the origin, the primary influence for where these monies are coming from. We realized that a lot of this money is still rooted back or traced back to the federal government and the money we have borrowed. So rather than fill that space with another government program, why not, crazy thought, send it back to those who are on the hook to pay it back? So the big question now is whether the governor would sign any of these bills. Uh, I asked him last week in an event in Darlington, hey, are you, are you interested in this? Lawmakers say they hope to gain your support by targeting the middle income uh, earners here. And he was pretty noncommittal about it. He said he still wants to review the bills. He was later uh, on the show up front also talking about them, that he likes some of them, but not all of them. So I guess that's a big question here, Jesse, is are, are any of these pretty appealing to him? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the the votes in the assembly, at least, it's some sort of indicator. Um, 
Assembly Democrats were pretty opposed to that expansion of the, the second lowest tax bracket um, because of what you mentioned, the fear of a, you know, going into a deficit. Um, if you're looking at the retirement proposal, you had two Democrats vote for that. So not a lot of Dem support, but a little bit. Um, I think the one where we're most likely to see the governor get on board is the expansion of the child tax credits, which Democrats have said it doesn't take care of you know every issue that the, the child care industry is going to be facing. They would argue that more needs to be done, but this is a start and it's putting money into parents' pockets and it's hard to argue against that. Right. And like you said, you know, if Democrats concerned about the fiscal nature of the state, of what's going to come, uh, you know, there's also an argument too, depending on, you know, if these are the maps, um, the governor is going to get another chance at a budget. If they have a little bit more, you know, skin in the game, maybe he wants to use that budget surplus uh, to an advantage that maybe if he has, you know, maybe they take control of the Senate. I mean, these are yeah. all possibilities, but yeah. that's just something looking ahead to that this could all be a political strategy, you know, thinking bigger picture of that, well, you know, depending on what the makeup is in the next few elections, uh, they could have a little bit more say on how they spend that. Um, all right, let's continue talking about session because there was a lot, a lot of bills. Uh, so we're going to recap just some of them. Um, starting with the Assembly here, first thing on the docket on Thursday is that they passed a new constitutional amendment that would prohibit state and local government from using diversity, equity, and inclusion practices in hiring decisions. Now, of course, this is kind of the latest attempt by Republicans seeking to target DEI, as we've seen not too long ago. It was uh, Speaker Voss and the UW system make that grand uh, agreement to curtail DEI in return for many, many things like building <laughs> projects yeah. and, of course, getting uh, thousands of employees their pay raise. Um, also, there was another um, uh, bill that would focus on expungement reform. Uh, we also had a proposal called Right of Refusal. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Uh, another bill that passed with bipartisan support was a package of bills that target uh, kind of an increasing threats against judges. One of the bills would shield judges' personal information from the public. There was also a, a, another proposal that would, uh, you know, prohibit or create a new penalty, I should say, if you are protesting outside a judge or justice's home. Uh, another bipartisan bill would stiffen penalties against uh, those who flee police officers. This is kind of another package of bills, part of Representative Donovan's kind of his big issue. A Republican from Milwaukee is focusing on reckless driving as, yes, it is a big issue in the city, but we're seeing it kind of expand into a lot of uh, uh, areas as well. So talking about specifically the two bills, um, stiffening penalties uh, against uh, those who flee police officers and shielding judges from the public, also expungement reform. Uh, we had Republicans and Democrats talk about this issue. Let's just uh, hear from them first, and then we'll dive more into these bills. We've kept the age of eligibility at 25 or younger, and we have in the substitute amendment made 36 felonies that are today eligible for expungement relief if AB 37 passes, they would no longer be eligible. We've narrowed the focus of this law to truly nonviolent, low-level offenses. It can be pro-public safety to give an opportunity for people to earn a second chance, incentivize them to successfully complete their sentence, pay restitution, and remain crime-free. The ill-advised decisions of the past to change and diminish law enforcement's ability to pursue criminals nurtured the explosion of vehicle thefts, reckless driving, and fleeing an officer that we see today. It is now, Mr. Speaker, incumbent upon us to confront this menace that undermines our society 
and send a resounding message to would-be offenders that fleeing from the long arm of the law will not go unpunished. We also had a lot of package of bills that aimed to address human trafficking, some AI bills to kind of regulate that as well. Um, but one I want to talk about specifically that you tackled, Jesse, that could some people can get a little bit lost in is what I talked about before was right of first refusal. And this kind of aims to keep uh, local control over power lines, but opponents fear that this could you know, lead to a rise in prices for us as consumers. Yeah, um, this is, uh, it's one of those bills that's important and a little bit boring, a little bit <laughs> dry yes. to get into. Um, but basically it would um, allow the, the companies, the power companies that are already doing business in Wisconsin, already have lines in Wisconsin, to have that right of first refusal. Um, on building new lines that are connecting to their existing lines, basically um, keeping them from having to compete with out-of-state com out companies coming in. Um, the supporters argue this is needed to keep uh, decisions about these lines in Wisconsin under the PSC as opposed to going through a pretty cumbersome federal bureaucratic pro uh, process um, that some you know, former grid operators have said doesn't really work as it was intended. Um, but you've got some of the groups out there, some of the um, sort of uh, Consumer advocate groups, um, Americans for Prosperity, really an actually interesting uh, coalition of, uh, of those who are opposed to this, saying um, they're concerned that this is going to limit competition, this is going to maybe lead to higher prices, um, and that you know, you, we should be encouraging all, all kinds of competition and encouraging more companies to come in from out of state. And always like a lot of hurdles is will this be heard in the Senate? We know yeah. Senate Majority Leader Devin Lemmehue has expressed interest to in bringing this to his chamber, but does he have the votes, right? Is that is that kind of what we're yeah, looking I mean, for? We're yeah, seeing, I mean, AFP has done a pretty aggressive campaign to, to try to keep Republicans from voting against this. Um, Democrats have been pretty, pretty quiet on it. I don't really know where some of them are. Yeah. It has been a bipartisan bill in the past when they've tried to do this, but sure. um, you know, it, it passed the assembly without any debate. It was on a voice vote. There was a little bit of consternation over that. And the last we heard from uh, Devin Lemmehue, he said they're still trying to rally votes. All right, so stay tuned on that front. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, what we want to highlight was just kind of a news nugget, as I like to say, which no pun intended. We're talking about <laughs> medical marijuana. Um, you know, this comes as. I think many of us reporters had inklings talking to a lot of lawmakers that this bill was likely doomed uh, because of Senate Majority Leader Devin Lemmy, who voiced concerns shortly after it was introduced, saying, hey, I don't like the big provision in the bill that would have the state run medical marijuana dispensaries instead of private entities. So uh, Speaker Voss was asked about this uh, yesterday, and he basically, you know, hinted <laughs> that the bill is dead. He specifically said, the, you know, dead is a strong word, but we kind of know uh, how this building operates. If you don't have the other chamber on board, it's very unlikely to go anywhere. Um, so uh, Voss did say uh, um, that he was still would like to have public hearings on the bill. Actually, he plans to do that, but it won't be this session because as we know, the clock is ticking. They only have a few more weeks left that they're trying to wrap up uh, before March or by mid-March. Um, and this actually comes after I had a conversation with uh, Senator Mary Falskowski, who is one of the top uh, proponents of medical marijuana in the state Senate. And she said uh, uh, a few weeks ago to me that she believes it was pointless to even hold a vote on this because of Voss's unwillingness to compromise on this. Now, I will say, you know, having a bill in draft, you know, 
you know, hearing from Voss saying that he, he thinks he can get the votes, mm -hmm. I still think it is a step towards at least some movement on this bill, even though it seems like every session there's a little bit, you know, getting there, um, and it comes to kind of a screeching halt at times. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly more movement than we've seen. Um, they're willing that Republicans are willing to have the conversation. We know that, I mean, this as an issue is overwhelmingly popular. It's when you start to get into the details. Um, you know, Democrats would like this to be a pathway to full legalization. Um, most Republicans are not on board with that, as far as I can tell. And then you start getting into the nitty gritty of what forms can be, you know, available and, you know, does the state run the dispensaries, all that stuff, and that's where it starts to fall apart. Yep. All right. Well, we'll see where that goes. All right. Now we're going to have kind of an election block because of news that is going to be coming next week dealing with the U.S. Senate race. And, of course, we're talking about Republicans of, who are seeking a, a run against uh, incumbent Tammy Baldwin. So we heard this week that Eric Hovde is going to be making a formal announcement next week. And, of course, you see a big question mark under Scott Mayer's uh, face because he says he wants to get in. He's he told the Journal Sentinel uh, originally that he hires staff. He hired staff um, uh, to get the ball rolling. Then he kind of backpedaled on that. Jesse, can you can you walk me through this and you know uh, dive into the dive into this race in general? Yeah, I mean these are the two kind of biggest names that we've heard. Um, you know, former Milwaukee uh, County Sheriff David Clark is also still kind of keeping his name out there. We'll see what he does, but. Um, you know, Eric Hovde is the favored candidate by the national groups, by the NRSC. Um, they're backing him all the way, but um, Scott Mayer has said that's not going to stop him from running if he decides that that's what he wants to do. Um, but yes, he did uh, He did tell my colleague that he had hired probably about half of his staff, so, you know, maybe 20 people working toward 40. Turns out, no, he has not actually formally hired anyone, and, and some of the names that were out there are um, more than likely not going to be working for him. So. Um, a little bit of a kerfuffle there this week, some confusion, but it sounds like he's still considering, you know, getting in the race, and we'll see what that looks like. And you know what I find interesting too is that we're, we're noticing uh, a lot of Democrats and Republicans in general getting into these big profile races much later than normal. Um, but that also has to, to speak volumes too about the amount of resources that you need to have to put on, uh, you know, a big political campaign. Now. You know, a lot of people would suspect, you know, this could be a walk in the park for Senator Tammy Baldwin, who has previously won by double digit points. But, you know, Republicans argument is that it all depends on this political environment. I mean, uh, there's a lot of dwindling uh, signs uh, with polling with uh, 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 President Joe Biden. His ratings are not doing great now. So if you know, that's kind of their argument that is, if things are right or if things happen or the economy tanks or immigration is still a top issue, you know, he still has uh, whatever Republican emerges from this primary could have a good uh, uh, environment to go up against that. All right. Now let's uh, move on to the next topic, which is talking about, like you hinted earlier in the show, Jesse, is uh, Representative Mike Gallagher is not going to be seeking re-election. This was kind of a big surprise announcement that happened over the weekend. Um, and it was pretty shortly after the news, actually, we heard from former uh, Republican Senator Roger Roth said he will enter the race. Now, going back to Gallagher, he was first elected in 2016, and he kind of ran on this big issue of foreign policy. And he's still a very young and Congress. You know, we often hear about this. There's a lot of old white men in Congress. Um, but, you know, it, he is a young white man. So, you know, this took some people by surprise. Yeah. And um, it took a lot of people, ourselves included, by right, surprise, yeah. I would say. Um, and it did come out after he took um, at least a controversial vote within his party on um, impeachment um, of Mayorkas. But um, he hasn't said that that's the reason. Um, the reason he's given is that, you know, he doesn't see this as being a lifetime position. 
he can spend time with his family. He still wants to be involved in foreign policy issues, um, as you mentioned. But um, it's an interesting district. I mean, that's where I grew up, and it's had Democrats and Republicans before. It certainly trends more Republican now, but um, it's also tended to be a little bit more moderate over the years. And um, you know, the question is. Is that going to play this year, or do you need to go a little bit farther right? Um, and does anyone else get in the race besides Roger Roth? We've heard maybe Andre Jacques or Eric Wimberger might get in. John Mako said he's not going to. Um, there is a, a guy whose name I can't remember, Alex something or other, who is a, kind of in the Trump wing, um, yes. who's not from here but has some sort of connection who might get in, which could really nationalize the whole thing. I think it's going to be an interesting race. Yeah, for sure. And like you mentioned, uh, uh, John Mako said he's not going to go. Um, the only Democrat that's name is kind of emerged is Kristen Lyerly. She's at a lot of a, a press conference for the issue of abortion. She is an OBGYN uh, who's very been uh, active in a lot of Democratic uh, circles, um, you know, uh, doing kind of a rallying cries to get abortion uh, access here in Wisconsin. She's considering a run. So we'll be interesting to see, uh, I think specifically too, if she does get in the race, you know, it's not like the maps are going to change now, you know, right? right? right. <laughs> like that was also a possibility too of a lot of weighing factors as well um, to see how close a possible matchup could be in that district because like you said, it's usually very reliably red. <laughs> All right, we're going to get to our last topic and this is kind of just looking ahead if some people might not know. Um, there is a, a primary uh, on Tuesday and we're going to talk about just a little bit uh, putting into perspective uh, in Milwaukee. Of course, in your uh, area, there could be some local school board race etc. Um, but this is kind of what you can see right here for the Milwaukee mayoral race. Of course, incumbent Cavalier Johnson, he's been in office, um, which is interesting here if you're looking at this, you'll see the name Lakeisha Griffin twice. She's running for Milwaukee mayoral race and she's taking a run against uh, David Crowley, who's the current Milwaukee County Executive. You also have David King in there. Um, he is the founder of Wisconsin God Squad, so there's a three-way there. Um, but, you know, is it three-way or two-way? If your name's on it twice, it remains to be seen. But what I want to, you know, drive home here, Jesse, is that um, even though that they have some competition, and it, it's it's likely that they're gonna they're gonna carry through. It's not terribly serious competition, no. Um, you know, they're they're both uh, kind of rising stars in Democratic politics, and you know, both get questioned quite a bit about whether they're gonna seek even higher office after this. They've both been in talks for potentially running for governor someday, um, but for now, they've got a pretty easy path to re-election. They've also shown that they can work with Republicans on things like shared revenue um, and bringing the RNC to Milwaukee. So. Um, they have, they have uh, watched their way into a pretty easy primary, I think. Right. I think, you know, they were also, of course, part of a little bit of an opposition when it came to crafting the Brewer's Bill. They weren't a big fan of it. But in the end, you know, those are big victories that they can all say, hey, we were able to come work across the aisle and get a lot of things done. So in a sense, they have a pretty good uh, a, a rap sheet, I should say, that they can run on. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, that will do it for this week in politics. Thank you so much for joining us. For now, I'm Emily Fannin. I'm Jesse O'Poyan. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. This program was brought to you from the Margaret Farrell Studio. Rewind, your week in review, is sponsored by the Wisconsin Realtors Association, bringing Wisconsin communities to life with great homes, businesses, and neighborhoods. The Wisconsin Realtors Association, the voice of real estate.